Before we begin our Torah study tonight, let's pray together. Baruch atah Adonai Eloheinu melech ha'olam asher kidshenu b'mitzvah tov etzivanu la'asok b'divrei Torah. Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe, who sanctifies us with his commands and commands us to engross ourselves in the words of Torah. Amen. Tonight we're going to look at Parshat Karach, which seems like it's a continuation of some of the themes from last week's Torah readings about faith versus contempt. But we could call this life versus death and faith versus contempt. And we'll also be looking at the issue of hidden motives in conflict. So this passage uh, seems like a continuation of the previous episode with the spies and what God says was their contempt for him. This particular passage that we're reading tonight focuses on some Levites, that's my tribe, who needed correction because they also had contempt. And these issues are, are common issues, even though the episodes in this week's Parsha uh, are actually quite extreme. So if if you can Pay attention to the details with me as we go through. We'll look at the, the extreme details, but we'll also look at the issues that are common and, and more understandable when we pay attention to that. So we're going to start in Numbers chapter 16, verse 1. Now Korach, the son of Yitzchar, the son of Chat, the son of Levi, Levi, along with Datan and Aviram, the sons of Eliav and On, the son of Pelet, descendants of Reuben, or Reuben, they took men and they rebelled against Moses. So it's some Levites and some uh, Reubenites, if you will. And siding with them were 250 men of Israel, leaders of the community, key members of the council, men of reputation. And they assembled themselves against Moses and Aaron. And they said to them, you take too much on yourselves. After all, the entire community is holy, every one of them, and Adonai is among them. So why do you lift yourselves up above Adonai's assembly? So there's the accusation. It's worthwhile to read it again. You take too much on yourselves, Moses and Aaron. The entire community is holy, everyone, and Adonai is among them. So why do you lift yourselves up above Adonai's assembly? But there's another motivation. It's hidden, but we're going to look at it. There's a hidden motivation at work, and Moses exposes it and he pinpoints it. In fact, the true motivations are quite complex and worth taking note of. It sounds like Korach and this whole group of people, they are in favor of greater participation for everybody and for everybody in Israel to be um, much the same. And they're accusing Moses and Aaron of being sort of elitist or being proud because they've lifted themselves up. In, in fact, there are other things that are happening and those accusations aren't the real story. Verse four, when Moses heard this, 
he fell on his face, and then he said to Korach and the whole group, in the morning the Lord will show who are his and who's the holy person he'll allow to approach him. And yes, he will bring whomever he chooses near to himself. So do this. Take censers, Korach and all your group. Put fire in them and put incense in them before Adonai tomorrow. The one whom Adonai chooses will be the one who is holy. The censers are the incense burners. And then chapter 16, verse 7, has a very interesting detail. Moses says this, It is you, you sons of Levi, who are taking too much on yourselves. So remember, Moses is also a, a Levite. Aaron is a Levite. But Aaron has been called to be the high priest, the Kohen, Hagadol, and his sons are called to be uh, Kohenim, the priests, the Levites, who are the brothers and the cousins and so forth, who are not related to Aaron, but part of the tribe. They're called to a different kind of service. And so let's read on. Verse 8, then Moses said to Korach, listen here, you sons of Levi, is it for you a mere trifle? Or a small thing that the God of Israel has separated you from the community of Israel to bring you close to him so that, and look at the details, so that you can do the work in the tabernacle of Adonai and stand before the community serving them. Here's your work. And is it insignificant? It's doing the work in the tabernacle of the Lord and standing before the community serving them. Verse 10, he's brought you close and all your brothers, the sons of Levi, with you. Now Moses gets to the hidden motivation and he says this, now you want the office of Kohen or priest too. And that's why you and your group have gathered together against Adonai. After all, what's Aaron that you complain against him? So Moses is saying, you're making an accusation, but in fact, you have a hidden motivation. And what you're accusing us of, you're actually doing. You're trying to take something that doesn't belong to you. The hidden motivations lead to distortions. The accusations aren't straight. They are misrepresentations. The hidden motivations, what are they? Well, they include envy jealousy, ambition, covetousness, uh, covetousness that can be in a couple of forms. I want what you have, the Korach and this company with him. They want what the Kohenim have. They want what Moses and Aaron have. And then there's a second side to covetousness. It's, it's, it's a negative version. It's, I don't want you to have it. It's one thing to say, I want what you have. It's another thing to say, I just don't want you to have it. I want what you have. And then there's hubris. It's a kind of uh, pride and arrogance. And then one more thing that's worth noting, contempt is also at work. Now, all of these types of problems, all these types of hidden motivations are connected to common human 
temptations, the kinds of things that anybody could struggle with. Now, what's important for us is that we look at these things and we learn about ourselves through this, and we don't just point the finger at the others, and we don't just think, oh, Korach, these people are like extraordinarily bad, even though they do some extraordinarily evil things, they are they are of Israel. They are of us. They're, they're like us and we're like them too. So we have to recognize for ourselves that we can give in to such temptations. Uh, Sandy, my wife, Robinson Sandy, has been studying some things about temptation. And 1 Corinthians 10, verse 13, uh, is one of the verses that caught her attention that she was sharing with me this week. I'll, I'll give you a couple of different translations to to help you get it. One is the New Living Translation that says the temptations in your life are no different from what others experience, but God is faithful. He will not allow you. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. You can keep going. So God will not allow the temptation to defeat you if, when you're tempted, you use the way out that he shows you. Berean Study Bible, another, temp, another translation says, no temptation has seized you except what is common to man, to mankind, and God is faithful. He will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you can bear, but when you are tempted, he will also provide a way of escape. So that's helpful for us to understand that temptations are, are common temptations. We all can be subject to them. That's one part. And the other part is God is faithful and he will give us a way out of the temptation. Now, the next verse that Sandy was sharing with me is from the Brita Chadashah from James or Yaakov chapter one, verse 14. And it talks about how temptation can actually um, get a hold of us when we allow it to. And there's a process. It's James 1 verse 14. But each one is tempted when by his own evil desires he's lured away and he's enticed. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin when it is full grown, gives birth to death. So that describes a process where we're tempted by the things that we want, and then we're lured away because it is what we want, and we're being enticed by it. And that process conceives and gives birth to sin, and then it grows up and it gives birth to death. Isn't that a strange way of putting it? But so profound, really gives birth to death. The spiritual process that's at work in the story of Korah is connected to this. There is a temptation that has gotten a hold of Korah and the company he's with, and it's connected to their desires that have become lustful, evil desires that lure them away and they entice them and ultimately gives birth to death. So let's read on back in, in Numbers 
Verse 12, Moses sent to summon Datan and Avaram, the sons of Eliav, but they replied, we won't come up. And they say, is it such a mere trifle? And they use Moses' words and phrases against him with contempt. It's, it's a way to mock someone. Verse 13, is it such a mere trifle bringing us up from a land flowing with milk and honey to kill us in the desert? That now you arrogate to yourself the role of dictator over us? So, so look at this. They're, they're saying... You weren't happy enough to bring us out of a land flowing with milk and honey, Egypt? That was such a great place. And now you want to kill us in the desert and you want to become a dictator? That's what you you weren't satisfied with, with ruining everything by taking us from the very best place that we were in before. And you haven't led us to where you said you were going to take us. You're just a dictator. And if, if you think about that and how um, mocking and, and, and really ugly that type of language is, it, it's useful. But if you do one more thing, you'll also get a hold of it. You can see that it can be childish as well. And I think of little kids arguing with each other and and like pushing back against each other. And one says to the other, meanie, you're a meanie. And that sounds, you know, like so childish because adults don't say to each other, meanie, kids do. But using adult words, that's what this group is saying to Moses and to Aaron. You're just mean. You don't care. You're a dictator. You you mean harm to us. We can't trust you for the future because we had a great place before. And look where we are and what you intend. Verse 14, you haven't at all brought us into a land flowing with milk and honey. You haven't put us in possession of fields and vineyards. And then look, because it escalates. And that's the nature of this type of of conflict when it's mixed with contempt and when um, some evil stuff has gotten a hold of those who are opposing uh, Moses and Aaron. There's exaggeration. Look at this. Do you think you can gouge out these men's eyes and blind them? We're not coming up. We won't come up. It's, it's like they're saying, what are you going to do? Gouge their eyes out and blind them? Is that what you've got planned next? In other words, they are applying contempt and more accusations. They're piling accusations upon one upon the other. Verse 15. Now, you might think because Moses was meek and Moses was... Um, a genuine shepherd for Israel, that that he would always be gentle, but that's not the case. Verse 15, Moses was very angry. And he said to the Lord, don't accept their grain offering. I haven't taken one donkey from them. I've done nothing wrong to any of them. And then Moses said to Korach, you and your group be there before Adonai tomorrow, you, they, and Aaron. And each one of you take his fire pan and put incense in it. 
in the fire pans. You too, and Aaron, each one has fi- uses fire pan. And verse 18, each man took his fire pan, put fire in it, laid incense on it, and stood at the entrance to the tent of meeting with Moses and Aaron. Korach assembled all the group who were against them at the entrance to the tent of meeting, and then the glory of Adonai appeared to the whole assembly. Now, it's a very good question. There's God. Who is he going to side with in this case? Verse 20, the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, separate yourselves from this assembly. I'm going to destroy them right now. Step away from them. Verse 22, and then Moses and Aaron fell on their faces and said, O God, God of the spirits of all humanity, of all humankind, if one person sins, are you going to be angry with the entire assembly? The Lord answered Moses, okay, tell the assembly to move away from the homes of Korach, Datan, and Aviram. Moses got up and went to Datan and Avram, the leaders of Israel, followed him. And there he said to the assembly, leave the tents of these wicked men. Don't touch anything that belongs to them or you may be swept away in all their sins. And so they moved away from all around the area where Korah, Datan, and Avram lived. And then Datan and Avram came out. They stood at the entrance to their tents with their wives, sons, and little ones. And so this is really, folks, a serious moment. Verse 28, Moses said, here's how you'll know that the Lord has sent me to do all these things and that I haven't done them out of my own ambition. If these men, die a natural death like other people, only sharing the fate that's common to all humanity, then the Lord has not sent me. But if the Lord does something new, if the ground opens up and swallows them with everything they own and they go down alive to Sheol, then you will understand that these men have had, pay attention to this, these men have had contempt for the Lord you'll understand that these men have had contempt for the Lord. Why? Because contempt is at work. It's part of what's going on. It affects the language and the attitudes and the the accusations and so forth. And it's contempt against God. And it is very serious, but it wasn't obvious because the accusations that were made sort of hid the true conditions of the heart. Verse 31, the moment Moses finished speaking, the ground under them, under Korah, the accusers, and the group with him, the ground under them split apart, the earth opened its mouth and swallowed them up with their households, all the people who had sided with Korah and everything they owned. And so they and everything they owned went down alive into Sheol, the earth closed over them, and their existence in the community ceased. It came to an end all around them. All Israel around them fled at their shrieks, shouting, the earth might swallow us too. Now, let me stop and say, this is not the normal way that God deals with 
human conflict and group conflict and community conflict. But something so serious was at work because it was contempt against God. It was contempt against the vision that God had given and that would have led the people into death and defeat. Instead of Israel going into the promised land and having a close walk with God, there would have been death, there would have been contempt, there would have been unbelievable defeat for Israel. So this is not trying to tell us that it's the way that God deals with these kinds of problems all the time. Don't get confused about that. It's a way for us to pay attention to some serious moments that Israel faced that have application that we can learn from. And here's, here's one of the things that's most important. Contempt leads to death. The grave opens up, the earth swallows. It's unnatural. The contempt of Korah and his group was a spiritual force associated with death and defeat. Now, here's the other part. This also had an effect on other people. It brought out the worst in the people. Sometimes when we go through difficulty, we can seek the Lord and he will bring out the best. But in this case, what Korach is doing, what his team is doing with the 250 with him and the others with him, what they're doing brings out the worst and it damages and it harms Israel. And look at the effect. It's in Numbers chapter 17, verse 6. It says the very next day, the whole community of the people of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron, and they said, you have killed the Lord's people. So do you see how the discord and how the, the um, accusations spread? We have to always be careful, Mishpocha. We don't want to be the unwitting agents of spreading discord because it is associated with death. The accusations that may rise up in us, we don't want to be empathetic towards. We don't want to, to um, join in those accusations. It is so important for us to recognize that we could be tempted to do that. We could be harboring our own discontent, our own grudges, our own jealousy, our own envy, our own selfish ambitions. We may want what God has not appointed for us, and we may give birth to sin and death through that. We have to be careful. So what do we remember? Faith brings life, contempt brings death. Now, last week I was, I used my hands and I described faith on one side and contempt on the other side like this. And Sandy said, I've got another picture of it. It's like this. You take your hands and you just reach up to the heavens and you say, God's faithfulness, faith can work good in all things. Faith is like upward and heavenly without limit. And contempt 
brings death. And I think of it this way. Contempt is death. Faith brings life. Contempt brings death. Sandy reminded me of that passage in Romans 8.28. God causes all things to work together for good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. He causes all things, all things to work together for good. Isn't that right, Sandy? All things to work together for good. So let's pray with that in mind. Lord, help us choose life and faith so that all things will work together for good. Help us learn Lord, to bring our desires and our hopes to you and help us avoid contempt. Lord, help us avoid the grave. Help us avoid the death that's associated with the covetousness and the accusations that we read about in Korach today. Lord, here's our prayer. May the words of our mouths and the meditations of our heart be acceptable to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. In a moment, we're going to be closing with Aaron's blessing. But first, would you consider standing with us financially if this live stream is a blessing to you or if our Messianic Jewish Teachings podcast or our sanctuary services If our congregation is a blessing to you, would you consider blessing our ministry? All the information can be found on one webpage, bethisraelnow.com slash giving. Let's close with Aaron's blessing. Yivarecha Adonai v'yishmarecha. Ye'er Adonai panavelecha v'yichunecha. Yisa Adonai panavelecha v'yasemlecha shalom. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep watch over you and guard you and protect you. May the Lord cause the light of his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his face to you and give you his peace in the name of Yeshua, the Prince of Peace. Amen. So from Sandy and me and the entire Beth Israel team, thanks for joining us tonight. Hope you can join us tomorrow for our live stream Shabbat service from the Beth Israel Sanctuary and live from our home too. 